Welcome to Question Mark, the podcast. Exploring the greatest story ever told with open minds and open hearts. We light it up, we won't come down. And the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights. And the runaways are on in the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. This is the greatest show. Hello and welcome again to Question Mark, a fortnightly podcast about the greatest story ever told, Mark's Gospel. Whether this is the first episode you've listened to or you're a regular listener, you're very welcome here. My name's David Payne and I'll be your host for this, the 30th episode of our journey through this extraordinary tale, which is surely as relevant to life in the 21st century as it was to first century believers. Well, today it's my great pleasure to introduce our special guest, Dave Wellington, who's currently in Cheltenham, I think. Dave is a well-known worship leader and songwriter, and uh, you can get his albums on uh, Spotify and all the usual platforms. Uh, He's also Associate Minister at Cheltenham Elim Church. Is that right, Dave? Yeah. And I'll let him explain his connection with Steph, which goes back nearly four decades in just a moment. Stefan Smart, uh, who I think most of you will know, has recently been performing his one-man performance of Mark's Gospel around the country and in America, I think, and will be appearing at the Edinburgh Fringe, I happen to know, in August. He had this great idea of inviting friends from many different backgrounds to meet up to chat about the life of Jesus, as presented in Mark's Gospel, which I hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy presenting it. So, Dave, first of all, um, tell how do you know Steph? How do you come to be here? Tell us a bit about yourself. Well, we were both at uh, Southampton University back in the early 80s, and my then-girlfriend, now wife, uh, shared was in a house share with Steph's then-girlfriend, now wife. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we got to know each other then, and uh, we've, we've stayed mates. And uh, it, it was absolutely brilliant going to see the Iron Mark production at the Edinburgh Fringe uh, a few years back bef- before covid Oh, my days. Uh, And just the joy of of seeing the whole of the gospel done in one hit. That was something that really struck me, because normally as Christians, we tend just to read a chapter or two. uh, And then suddenly to get the whole thing kind of, wow, it hits you in a fresh way. And uh, that was really interesting and refreshing. And of course, to see Steph act it and kind of get all the words out, it's amazing. It's great stuff. So what music are you producing at the moment, Dave? Tell us about uh, well, I, mm, last year we released a, a couple of albums. One was a sort of a stories album, which is sort of just stories, yeah, different bits and bobs called Shadows of My Former Self, an intriguing title, but some great songs in there. Uh, but also from a worship perspective, my son and I literally during lockdown, we just set up in my lounge and we kind of just worshipped together him on keyboards me on guitar and voice uh and then we embellished from there uh, and created nine songs of deep joy and lots of fun uh, was had um and uh, you know what they're, they're great recordings as well so and there's some videos of those happening on youtube as well uh so you know you can catch up with all of that um but yeah on Spotify, Deezer, you name it, it's out there, it's available. All digital platforms. You know where to find it. Super. And Steph, thank you for that, Dave. That's great to have you here. 
And uh, Steph, what's what's happening with my iron mark at the moment? Well, as as Dave just mentioned, the Edinburgh Fringe, it is actually going back there uh, this year since uh, COVID. So we're going to be in a bigger theatre. Uh, we're going to be there for more days. Uh, I think it's the 5th to the 13th of August. So that's very exciting. And in fact, I was just on UCB radio this morning talking about that with uh, Ruth O'Reilly-Smith. And, uh, and, and yeah, it's so lovely to be up there again. Um, last time we had really good audiences, among whom were, were, were Dave and his mates. Uh, I'm hoping that not everyone who was there were all his mates, but maybe they were. Uh, <laughs> but we did do quite well. We, got, we sold out more or less every performance. So I'm hoping for some kind of response similar to that this time around. Oh, we're in the Greenside Theatre, by the way, uh, in a place called Riddles Court. And the studio is called Willow Studio. So look it up on the Edinburgh Fringe website. You can now buy tickets. Marvellous, marvellous. Well, let's get going, shall we? Not so long ago, we heard about Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And now he's moved away into a Gentile area where he feeds 4,000 people. They seem like similar stories on the surface, but let's see what our guests are going to make of them today. And if you, as you listen to this podcast or watch it on YouTube, would like to comment on what you hear, please join in please join in and share your thoughts about the passage on social media and especially on the I Am Mark community on Facebook. Today's passage from Mark's Gospel is going to be read for us by our good friend Lucy Warner. Over to you, Lucy. Mark chapter 8, verses 1 to 9, New International Version, Jesus Feeds the 4,000. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance. His disciple answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. When he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. They had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 were present. After he had sent them away, he got into a boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. Thank you, Lucy. Well, I wonder firstly, maybe Dave, as our guest could start, what your initial thoughts are as you look at this passage? What catches your eye about the passage? Well, I think, I mean, for me, the, the first thing, realising the context. So you've got all of these people and Jesus says, look, they've been with me for the last three days and they've run out of grub. They've run out of the essentials. They, mm. They've been so drinking in of the stuff that I've got to say, they've forgotten to eat. And, but this is the key thing for me, I have compassion on them. Mm. And, and I think for me that speaks 
more volumes than perhaps a lot of the other stuff. It's like Jesus does this miraculous event, not not out of any kind of, hey, look at me, I'm this amazing kind of woohoo. No, he's had compassion on people who are incredibly hungry. And as a result, 4,000 people get fed. And I, I, for me, that just like, woo, there you go. And it's, so it's, it, you know, put that um, against a lot of the superstar um, yeah. preachers and, and all the rest of it. It's like, uh, th this is real. This is this is cutting edge. This isn't some feigned anything. This is Jesus saying, come on, people, you are hungry. Let me feed you. This like, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, we've, we've no idea what he'd been teaching them for those three days, have we? But the no. thing that was important to him was, oh, have they had anything to eat? Let's mm. deal with that. Yeah. You know yeah, how yeah. to do that, disciples, don't you? But yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But haven't we heard this before? Yeah. Um, we've had feeding of 5,000. Isn't this the same story again? Just Well, it is very similar. I mean, if we looked at it line by line, you'd see some quite close parallels. But it is different in some respects. And I think probably the main difference is, is where it is, which is in Gentile territory, by all accounts. And I think that makes a big difference to why it's important. Um, I think for me, the, the, the takeout, the takeaways, if you like, of, of this passage, <laughs> not the takeout. Uh, I'm, I'm obviously hungry. Uh, the takeaways uh, from this passage are to do with, uh, you know, who Jesus is. And that, I think that has implications with regards to where it is, uh, where this passage takes place. Um, uh, but more importantly, perhaps, of how are we going to respond to him? And are we, are we going to respond to him with faith? Um, and I think there's a question being asked here of the Pharisees, also of Jesus's yeah. disciples. Or, and, and what does that mean? Um, faith for God to do something where we can't, where it's impossible for us. Faith in terms of what Jesus came to do. Are we going to re respond with faith or are we going to be stony hearted, a bit like the Pharisees in this story? Very good. Um, I thought we'd split it into roughly three sections. The first section, uh, Jesus having compassion on the hungry cat crowd. And we have got some listeners' questions, I'm, you'll be pleased to hear. Um, one of our listeners says that the disciples don't seem prepared for the same thing to happen. Do we struggle to remember the miracle of yesterday when we face the same problem today? Yeah. Today, what do you think? <laughs> I mean that that is that is so human nature, isn't it? Yeah, Jesus did an incredible miracle just just previously. Here's the same context, almost the same. Yeah, it must be impossible. Jesus could never do the same thing again. It's just like, hello, <laughs> I'm Jesus. You know, it's like yeah, or worse, or worse, Dave. It's like completely forgetting. I know it's imp hard to believe that anyone would, but in yeah. In view of that question that David just asked, I, I'm thinking to myself, how many times in my life does something happen which I now, you know, I realized at the time was down to God. It couldn't really be any, anything else. And I mm. completely forget it. So the next time in similar kinds of difficulty or whatever, I haven't remembered the fact that he helped me out a, a time before. It's just, it's just human nature, as you say. I, but I, I also wonder how much of it is linked with the, the fact that the disciples and these these weren't old blokes. They were young guys, maybe 18 to 20. Um, and actually, 
they had no problem believing that Jesus was human, mm. but they had a lot of problems believing he was God. Yeah. And it's only now it's it, it's not it's not exactly in this uh, context, but it's not long from the point where Peter suddenly gets that that grasp of revelation that ah yeah. oh, I get it now you are the Christ you are the son of the ah there you go <laughs> the, the light bulb goes off in his head yeah. and in his heart and in suddenly uh, he, he's put the two and two together and begun to see that actually ah oh, all of these miracles it's because you are the Messiah you are the chosen one you are the holy one you are the Christ you are yeah. oh I get it I'm, I'm not it's, trying it's, to I'm not trying to undermine Peter's insight because I think you've explained it really well I love that boom idea yeah, yeah. Um, but he only gets it to a certain extent doesn't he yeah. um, you are yeah. the Christ and this is what we expect the Christ to do come down reign victorious against yeah, well, all the Gentiles yes. there we go. them to destruction and just yeah, up yes. the uh, Jewish race will well, yeah. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. What, again, one of the moving on slightly onto the next uh, <clears throat> section. One of the the listeners has said, a good friend of yours, actually, Dave. Uh, okay. Are we aware of similar miracles happening since Jesus lived on Earth, where similar miracles have occurred, or has the day of miracles passed? How do, how does this apply to us? Maybe listeners could could. Um, chime in if they have examples of, of you know miraculous feeding but what do you think about how does it apply to us today I, I well i think a it does apply to us today and i don't think the era of miracles has passed and it's it's great um we don't see enough of them maybe uh, but maybe that's because we're asking for the miracles to happen in church where did this miracle happen was it in church no it was outside it was in the open air it was out where the people were it was in the public sphere it was in the marketplace maybe the reason we don't see so many miracles is because we're trying to do them in church when god is saying no no, no come on church go out and be church out there in the bigger wider world uh, and take the miracles with you uh, because actually out there you will find the hungry who need feeding I, I certainly I, we hear reports all the time of those out engaged in mission be it in this country or in foreign parts um, that actually uh, God has met incredible needs um, uh, miraculously uh, equivalent to this equivalent to some of the other biblical miracles that we see and it's not you know it's not a surprise well it is a surprise but it isn't a surprise it's it's kind of we're expecting it because we're out relying on on god and uh, on him to to work a miracle um and stuff so the age of miracles is not past for sure and i know whoever posed that question would 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 agree i think you know that actually yeah no the miraculous is still present and available for us today i think that's everything today I think for me, uh, I'm not an expert on this. And when, by the word expert, I mean, I'm not someone who's really verse, well versed on miracles and those kind of phenomena. But I'm interested in the Pharisees' desire for a miracle, which comes a bit later on. And like, they, want something, they, they want something really spectacular. 
And I think there's an interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting point. Do we need to have the spectacular, although it's wonderful when the spectacular happens, to believe in God? Uh, I think God's often under the surface in the nuances of life, not necessarily obvious, like, here I am, I'm God, and I can do miracles, but you better believe in me. I don't think that's certainly in the way of Mark's gospel. That doesn't often happen. Um, and so I, I wonder whether actually the challenge is less to be believe in miracles, more to see God's work and hand in everything that happens in our lives. And that takes faith and that takes discernment. But I, I believe it's happening. Great. One of the questions I, I must admit, I'm a listener. I count, don't I? So um, there's a lot about leftovers. <laughs> when he went later on yeah. in a future episode he, he says don't you remember that how many how many baskets are left over he was doing a good teacher's thing asking questions why why is there a reason for that am i just making something out of nothing um should i start on this one um yeah i sense that might be needed <laughs> um I, I i have to say this is quite a, a contentious question David, because people have made a lot of the numbers in these stories. And I think you might have referred earlier on to mm. the fact this is like a, a repeat performance. Um, yeah. Earlier on, I think in chapter six, yeah, chapter six, the feeding of the 5,000 involved leftovers, uh, but the numbers are different. So 4,000, 5,000. In this case, there were seven basketfuls as opposed to 12 basketfuls. And people have made a lot out of the numbers. Before I tackle that, perhaps it's worth saying, leftovers suggest there was loads of food. I think that's probably the most important thing to stress that, you know, Jesus's miracle, God's compassion for these people resulted in an, an abundance. Um, and I think perhaps that tells us a little bit about God's character, his generosity. It's really, really over the top um and this 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 symbolizes that but for those who are interested yeah there's lots of references to to numbers and for some scholars it seems uh, among them my friend john uh, john burnett who was on the show earlier on um they are symbolic because uh, the seven uh, is the same number as often designated for the gentiles uh, whereas the 12 is a number often designated to the children of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And the 4,000 and the 5,000 have similar properties. Whether you can wholly believe in that, I, I guess I'll leave it up to the listener. But it is, it is interesting. I think the main thing that this story does definitely bring across isn't so much the, the leftovers and the, the numero numerology of it all, or to do with the fact that we are definitely in Gentile territory. And that means Jesus's compassion and love, which we've been hearing about, extends beyond Israel. It extends beyond Israel to the whole world, all the Gentiles. And in those days, that was unheard of. He was breaking every code in the official book by going this far. And eat, let alone eating with Gentiles, he's feeding Gentiles, showing there's no discrimination at all. Um, and in God's kind of understanding of humanity, there is no special race. God uses Israel to bless <clears throat> the whole world. And, and for people in those days, that was a hard pill 
a hard thing to swallow. That was yeah. a bitter pill, if you like. I, I think, I mean, I, I'm not I, what what Steph just said, absolutely brilliant. Um, but one of the nicest, tastiest lunches I ever had, we were on a walking holiday tour of Istanbul. And at one point we stopped near um, one of the bridges that crosses uh, one of the waterways in Istanbul. And we stopped to have mackerel fried and placed in a roll. And it was just the best ever. You know, so actually, you know, this isn't just feeding. This is quality growth. <laughs> um, yeah. But but I know I note this. I know this. this is from the text. Um, whilst they make a lot of stuff about the bread, they they cut on a few small fish. You know, yeah. actually, the, the the fish seem less important than the bread within the text. And I, I'm wondering, therefore, whether. Uh, Jesus is actually saying, come on, there's, there's a bigger significance, therefore, about bread. Yeah. It's who I am. Yeah. I am the bread of life. Yeah. And, and I wonder whether actually Jesus is actually trying to say uh, as well, forget the, the 12 basketfuls and the yeah. seven baskets. It's, look, I, there's more than enough bread in me to, to you know, I've come to give you life. And it's abundant life. It's enough. It's it's not just enough. It's more than enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that that sense in which I am the bread of life. Yeah. It's substance. It's stuff. It's it's you can get your teeth into it. And by the way, it's the most tasty bread you'll ever eat. I love that, Dave. I think you're right. I think I haven't really had the courage to say that the fish tend to get a a, a kind of less exposure. Yeah. For some reason. Uh, uh, yeah, I think breads are quite important for me too. I think breads, I mean, using that plural word, breads, because that is actually the original Greek. It doesn't say bread, it says breads. It's a, it's a word that comes up again and again in this part of the gospel because it's the, the breads are used when it comes to um, the feeding of the 5,000. The breads are used when it comes to the, the woman who's from Syrophoenicia, the Greek woman, who mm. asked for the breads to be distributed to the dogs. And Jesus agrees to that eventually. Um, but also it's the breads that are used when it comes to eating the breads with unwashed hands. And that was a controversy between the Pharisees and the disciples. Mm. The idea being that Jesus is saying, no, there is no need to wash your hands. These are kind of empty rituals. What's important is obeying the, 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 the spirit of the law, not any human tradition. Um, and the main tradition that the, the Pharisees were concerned to uphold was this idea that the Jewish nation, the Israel nation, were distinct from any other nation. If the Messiah was going to come, it would be simply for them. Um, and so when Jesus, and I think Mark's gospel actually says, you know, um, Jesus declared all foods clean, all breads clean. Mm. In other words, everybody has access to God in God's love and God's abundance. And it's really interesting that bread is what we use when we break bread. Very similar words to hear Jesus looked up to heaven, he gave thanks, he broke bread. That's the thing we talk about when we talk about communion or the Eucharist. It's fascinating. Brilliant. Thank you. That seems like a good time for a musical interlude. 
And it's not just any old musical interlude, but Dave is going to share something with, share a song with us. Dave, what are you going to share with us today? Well, the song's called Without Love. Uh, and it's, again, it's a song I recorded during lockdown. Um, but I wrote it sort of back when I was actually at uni in Southampton. Wow. All those years, years back. Um, but it, it is a song that essentially tells the story of a disciple being captivated by Jesus and who, whose life is completely turned upside down by being with Jesus. And then, of course, the, the massive, what, Jesus is going to die? What? And then, of course, the aftermath of Jesus is alive and now I want to live for him. So that whole kind of perspective of um, the, the story, and it's called Without Love. Fantastic. This is Without Love by Dave Wellington. Without love, oh, you cannot go 
If you should move, then I hope I'll stay with you. Cause I like the things you say. Okay, moving on to section C, as I've called it here. Um, would anything have satisfied the Pharisees? Well, I know you've touched, you've jumped ahead a little bit, Steph, earlier on, yeah. but um, what do you make of Jesus answering that no sign will be given? This generation, he criticizes this generation. It wasn't just, he seems to get quite cross at times at Jesus, doesn't he? He is, this he is really cross here. He is really, um, I think he's coming close to swearing, actually. Um, <laughs> Seriously, what it says in the NIV, which <laughs> <You> went... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. when it says in the NIV, I'm just going to find it. What Lucy just read out. Um, hold on a second. Yeah, I I tell you the truth. No sign will be given to it. This, this generation. We can come back to talking about what that means. Um, what it actually says is, as if a sign will be given to it. As if, and there's a little bit that he should have said, which kind of is the same as over my dead body, over my dead body, will this sign be given to it? No way. Uh, that's the vehemence that Jesus has, actually, when he says no sign will be given to it. And yeah, the generation. So I, I think your question was. So why is it so cross, Steph? Why, why is he cross? So why is he cross? Yeah. Oh, well, it depends what you think the sign <laughs> from heaven actually means. So it isn't necessarily any sign. It's a sign from heaven. And I think what that means is it's like a special sign. It's one of those signs that you get when God kind of comes in the, in the heavenlies. He appears in the sky. In other words, they're looking for the sign, the big sign, the big, the big end of days sign. Show us your real by God suddenly appearing on the horizon and everything coming to an, an end as he said it would. And what they meant by that was it was a sign which they thought would mean the triumph of the Jewish nation and the destruction of all of Israel's um, um, enemies. But of course, Jesus isn't into that at all that's the mistake many people obviously made in mark's gospel they thought he was that kind of messiah but jesus is 
messiahship is very different. It's a messiahship of not of violence and doom and destruction, but of love and compassion to all nations, not simply Israel. So they, you know, they got the completely wrong idea. They were saying, this is our agenda. We want you to prove mm. our point, which isn't the same as Jesus's at all. To add to that, Dave. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I think Jesus has a right to be crossed because, like, what more do you need? Yeah. Have you, you know, we're eight chapters in by this point. What yeah. more do you need? Have I not proven to you already? And, you, you, yeah. and you're asking for more? What, yeah. You can just, you can just sense, like I did earlier, just, you know, that I, it's just that. Yeah. Um, what is but, going on in the Pharisees' minds that, yeah. that they should? But but again, we we spoke earlier about the the disciples struggling to remember the miraculous. Maybe the Pharisees just completely yeah. forgot. I don't think they did. I think they they did not associate the miracles that Jesus had already done with anything that they would accept expect the messiah to do yeah only here's jesus acting out of messiahship by doing some incredible stuff yeah. i mean you want phenomenal. some proper signs you want a proper mm -hmm. sign a messiah type sign please yeah, yeah, yeah. they weren't proper enough it's that yeah. but wasn't mark 5 wasn't that yeah where he raised um the, that's no that's the parable yeah. so no where, where was it where he raised the the dead girl is that you? Yeah. Yeah, that's chapter is five. Is that yet to yeah. come or is that? No, that's chapter five. Yeah. I went back too far. That's why. Yeah. And he's he's kicked out demons from a demon possessed man as well. Yeah. And, and it's just like, okay, Mark six is a little bit of a downer, a prophet without honor. Um, mm -hmm. But then um, Mark seven, you know, and we've seen him send out the 12. Incredible. Um, uh, and all that. Uh, yeah. and stuff but of course the pharisees can't take it from him no it's because like you know it's because he keeps coming back and prodding them at the point of their um their expectation and their their religious understanding and political understanding of this is what Masha you need to behave like the messiah yeah exactly <laughs> and it's like well i am yeah. deal with it yeah uh, absolutely I, I i i think that's right i think he that by this stage they're completely they're kind of they've made their minds up i don't think they're in any sense uh wondering about jesus anymore they it says they they tested him in other words they were out to get him they weren't out to i'm um, asking a humble inquiry here uh they really really detest him and in fact you know earlier on it talks about the fact they, they plotted with the Herodians to kill him so I think by this stage Jesus has given up on them not earlier I think earlier he was happy to have an argument but his motive was I want to win you around can't you understand can't you read from scriptures it is what I say is true but by by the end of chapter three and we're into chapter six now they'd made up their minds I I, I think this has I don't know whether you agree, but it has implications for how we how we feel, how we behave. Do we do we make up our minds about things, whether we happen to believe or whether we, we call ourselves a Christian? Do we make up our minds 
and then stick to it. Uh, and is that, is that the basis of our faith? Or is it more to do with coming to God and seeking him and his revelation? That's, an, that's a different matter. And for the Pharisees, they've made up their minds. And for many people, you know, there's, there's, it's like that, scoffing at the Christian faith. But actually, really and truly, are you simply sticking by a position that you want to hold to for uh, your its own sake um, without necessarily saying to God, you show me what's going on? I, I mean, I think there's something as well that Jesus recognises because a, a worshipping heart is, is someone who has softened their heart mm. towards God and who is, it has become pliable like plasticine, whereas uh, someone who comes with a hard heart, a religious heart, that they, they, they're not necessarily coming to worship, they're coming for approval, perhaps. They're coming for a rubber stamp on stuff that's already been done. So uh, actually they're treating God not as a worshipper, but as a, 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 as a worshipper would but as, as a God who is just going to do, is the magic provider. And it's like, well, that's, 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 that's not who God is. Yeah. That's God, let me worship you for who you are, Lord. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to deal with the aftermath of, of that afterwards, you know, because, you know, if my heart goes soft, and all of all of stuff go, gets changed. That's going to be interesting. And I think that's that brings us into the modern worship sphere. We need to be worshippers. And if that if you achieve that through a song or through silence, whatever, you know, soften your heart before um, the the Lord. I think um, Matt Redman used to say this: in the in the presence of the King, make your words few. Yeah, I was going to mention about hard hard hearts. It doesn't particularly say it here, but lots of references that your hearts are hard um, uh, through through these stories, through the particularly the, the feeding of the four thousand and five thousand. Um, Dave, I wonder you're obviously a man who who loves God, who's given his your minister of the gospel, your worship leader. Um, what is it in this? You don't get to to, to be here for all the sessions. <laughs> This is your opportunity, I suppose, to say, why is this such good news for you? Why, why give up an afternoon to come and talk to us about this? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I was brought up in a Christian family, but there came a point in my life where I realised this, this was something, if it was true, I needed to respond to it for myself. I couldn't rely on the faith of my parents. Um, and so I, I responded and kind of grew... Um, therefore, through my uh, sort of my teens and in, into my um, sort of growing up, um, but what's so such good news is that actually understanding that everything, all the bad stuff I could have done or ever do, uh, Jesus was willing to forgive and forget uh, in order to have a friendship with me, and that just blew my mind and actually uh to be known as a friend of god it's like that's incredible uh, and of course there's there's all kinds of reasons why that's hard to achieve but jesus made it possible it's just like wow um and through his death and through his resurrection and now there's a pathway 
for me to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. There's, you know, he's got, he's got his arms of love constantly around me. He's, he's, his waves of grace pouring over me. And it's just like, wow, this is good news. This is, this is living now to quote a, a contemporary worship song. It's, it's just, it's life. And it really is good life. Uh, so it was good news for me to have received that as a child. And of course, then growing up through that um, has been fabulous as well. I've got to say. So I don't, I don't, okay. mm. Sorry, Dave, I'll interrupt you. Carry on. No, I'm, I'm done. I, okay, I was, just gonna, I was just going to say, I, I knew Dave uh, back in the early 80s, as he explained earlier. Um, but at the time I first met him, I wasn't a Christian but there was something about Dave that really grabbed my attention because he was just so full of a natural joy and enthusiasm, still is. Um, I hope you know, <laughs> what we're listening today today will also speak to people because it made a huge impact on me and I was a definitely skeptical unbeliever, wouldn't have anything to do with Christians, but he made a big impact on me. So thanks, Max. Excellent. Beautiful. Well done, Dave. We have a couple of minutes left. I want, just wonder if either of you wants to add anything to what you've said already, anything that you've, that's been burning on your, your heart that you want to share? I think for me, the, the thing I've not mentioned, and I think probably the most important thing really for me personally, is the passage in, indicates the importance of what God can do and what we can do. And God can do amazing things. And all we need to do is give him what we can i i think of my own situation as uh, someone who just goes around um by biblical storytelling and doing drama uh, you know i don't know what the future holds uh, I, I know i've got my own thoughts and plans but the important thing is that god is the one who's in control and i need to just give him what i can and let him take it on to whatever lengths he wants and uh, that's the exciting thing when you're a christian you're not working alone adventure isn't it yeah what about you dave anything we failed you, you mentioned food banks earlier i, don't know I, I was gonna i was gonna that. come around to that I, <laughs> I i think obviously we um here in cheltenham Elim, we we host uh the food bank uh for cheltenham and we've seen a massive upsurge of people needing um to be fed and if in one sense although we're not doing it miraculously yet it's incredible to see how God has more than provided enough food uh, for us to feed uh, those who are desperate for food at the moment. God's compassion, God's anointing has been on uh, food banks in this season uh, because he's recognized. He's having compassion on people even now. And he's saying, I, look, I can't physically be, oh, here's my church. They'll help you. Um, and okay, so here you go, have have some food. And we, we work with the Trussell Trust and we, we make this uh, thing a reality for those who are destitute and in need. And it's a massive privilege and an honor, but but it's also, this is this is what Jesus would do. He would feed the hungry. Um, he, he might have other options than food bank, but, uh, um, but nevertheless, we're doing what we can to feed the hungry um, and have compassion on them. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Dave. And of course, Stefan, it's been a real pleasure and hopefully we'll have started many more conversations among our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. 
Please join us again or listen to previous episodes on YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music platforms. The more of you who like and subscribe, the more people will get to hear about us. And don't forget to listen to Dave Wellington on the same places as well. If you'd like to share your thoughts and submit questions for future episodes, it's easy to join the I Am Mark community group on Facebook. If you're not already part of the group, just find us on Facebook and join in the conversation. However, the go-to place is the I Am Mark Facebook page. This is where you can find links to watch previous episodes of Question Mark, find out about upcoming performances and even book Steph to come and do a performance for you. You can also support his ministry and help him get him to Edinburgh this summer. That's all we have time for this week. So it's goodbye from Dave Wellington. Goodbye from Stephen Smart. Bye. And until next time, goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode of Question Mark and don't want to miss any future episodes, be sure to click on the subscribe button. This also means other people can find the podcast and join the conversation too. We'd also love if you could leave a review so we know what was good and what we can improve for future episodes. If you want to find out more about I Am Mark, Stefan Smart's solo word-for-word dramatisation of Mark's gospel, go to www.sleek.bio slash Mark, where you can sign up for free for his newsletter and a whole host of other goodies. Join us and our special guests next time, where we'll continue to explore the greatest story ever told together. If you want to get involved with the podcast or have any questions or comments in the meantime, please do get in touch using the I Am Mark social media channels. We'd love to hear from you. We'll light it up, we won't come down. And the sun can't stop us now. Watching it come true, it's taking over you. And this is the greatest show, where it's covered in all the colored lights. And the runaways are running the night. Impossible comes true, it's taking over you. And this is the greatest show.